0: this week, 1 Peter 1.13, and uh, it's already been a blessing to be with you all together this morning. I love Sunday. I get to see some of you throughout the week, and it's a little bit of church, but you don't get the full effect here until we're all together, and uh, what, a, what a piece of heaven that is. This is what heaven will be like, and uh, yeah, you'll have to put up with me. For all eternity <laughs> so um, but first peter chapter one and uh, last week we saw peter uh, teach us that the gospel is our living hope and uh, that as christians we need it you and i need the gospel we need to know it we need to apply its truth to our lives daily we do this through praise Last week we were called to praise God for his mercy, that part of the gospel, and Tommy and Megan just led us in singing about that, and uh, to praise him for the preservation of the gospel, that uh, we can have an assurance that we are saved, and also for our complete understanding of the gospel that you and I live in this privileged time where uh, we have the full revelation of, of the gospel, and we can enjoy all that God is for us in Jesus. And, and this week Peter stresses that uh, this living hope that we looked at last week, uh, it's also a transforming hope. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's also a transforming hope. Let's read verses 13 to 25 together. 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of purses judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, was ver- who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, <clears throat> who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls, and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what he does in illuminating its truth to us. Uh, I pray that we would understand it and you would write its eternal truth on our heart. Most of all, though, Lord, I pray that your word would, uh, would transform us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would use it to change us, that we would leave here different than when we came here. Uh, That is your design uh, with the Holy Spirit and with your word. And so that's our, our prayer this morning. That's what we ask for. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's look at what Peter's got for us here. He really isn't moving on to a new subject. He's still talking about the gospel. We understand that because in verse 13, it says, wherefore? All right, so anytime you're studying God's word, reading it, if you see a wherefore or a therefore, you should ask yourself what it's there for. All right, and typically that means going up to the, the verse right before it, maybe a section of verses, maybe the entire chapter, maybe the entire book, but God's basically saying what I'm talking about now is a, a subset of what I just talked about. So he's not moving on to a different um a different theme. He, he's still talking about the gospel, but he's, he's going to tell us now it's not just a living hope that we should praise God for and be thankful for, but it's something that transforms us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a transforming hope, Amen. all right? And uh, <clears throat> this is the, the cool thing about it. Uh, it enables us, all right, and it commands us to do some things here, and that's what he's talking about in verse thirteen. The first thing that God, the gospel uh, specifically, and God's word in general, uh, does is it enables you and I to have a ready mind. And then he commands us to have a ready mind. So what I mean by that is uh, God gives us access; He gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit. We're we're a new person; uh, we're born again, and so we have access and the ability to have a ready mind. But we've also got a role to roll the play in here, so that we do have a ready mind. All right, we've got some action to take. Uh, the gospel is not just truth, it's transforming. It, it's not just alive, it is that, uh, but it is, it is altering, it's not just real, it's revolutionizing. That's how it's presented to us here. And so one of the things he asks us to do because he enables us to do it is to have a ready mind. In verse 13, it says, wherefore, uh, because of the gospel I just preached about in, in these 12 verses, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now that's kind of a weird phrase that uh, in the King James here. And if you're using a different uh, translation, it probably says something like get ready for action or prepare your minds or guard your mind. And that's what it's talking about. Uh, we don't wear clothes like they wore back then. Most of the men are thankful for that. We don't have long robes that we wear. But anytime that they were <clears throat> getting ready for work or maybe even battle, they would take up the robes and they would kind of tuck them in what was called a belt. All right. That was their how they would gird themselves. So it was, I guess it was a form of a girdle, which again, men probably don't wanna think about wearing something like that, but they would, um, they would do that so that it wasn't uh, getting in their way, all right? These long robes weren't getting in their way. Whether they had to work, whether they had to fight, um, that's what they're, they needed to do, and we're told to do that in the, in the loins of our mind, all right? Or we're told to prepare ourselves for action, to get ready. Uh, maybe a modern day equivalent would be roll up your sleeves um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm trying to even think about ones in the military. When I was there, we, we often would, would what they call blouse our pants, right? We'd tie, tie them, and, and the purpose was so that when you were low crawling, they didn't ride up and things didn't get down in where they didn't belong or up where they don't belong. And so um, we, we prepared ourselves for action. We prepared ourselves uh, for battle. And he's telling us to do that in our mind, Now, God has Paul tell us the very same thing and in exactly the same way. Paul spends 11 chapters in Romans talking about the gospel. Peter just spent 12 verses. But then in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul tells us, I plead with you, therefore, because of the gospel I've just described, I plead with you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And here's how you do that. Verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How do we do that? By the renewing of our mind. So a ready mind, the first thing we have to understand as a ready mind is a renewed mind. Tonight uh, with the teens, we're, we've been going through Ephesians and we're to the armor of God section. What's that first piece of armor that he tells us to put on? The belt of truth. All right, the belt of truth. And where do we get truth? Well, we get it from the word of God. And it's so necessary because uh, really you can't go into battle without being ready. It's not a good idea anyway you're probably not gonna have a a high chance of victory, a high high success rate if you don't. And so we're commanded uh, to gird up the loins of our mind, a ready mind, is a renewed mind our mind is renewed in the same way that it was regenerated he's been talking about being born again in this gospel uh, to a living hope and he he speaks of it here in this passage as well but uh, our mind is renewed in the same way it's regenerated and there's only one way that occurs and it's through the word of God all right the spirit of God uses the word of God uh, to do this in our lives Uh, We need this, it's so important, and this is what he focuses on here, is is making sure our mind is ready uh, to do what we need to do to live out the gospel, because this is the thing. How I think and what I value is always gonna determine what I do. The way I think, and the things that are really precious to me, that's probably what I'm gonna be thinking about, they're gonna impact how I live, all right? And so in the next couple of verses here, uh, verse 15, uh, as 14 and 15 it says obedient children not fashioning yourselves to your former lust don't allow the former way of thinking to allow you to live the former way you did before you were born again before you became a Christian uh, but he says to be holy as I am holy we've been singing about God's holiness this morning and that's what he says this is your standard now and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on holiness I think we all know what it is all right as far as giving you a list because he doesn't do it here he just says be holy but he does focus a lot on how, how we're to be holy, and that's the renewing of our mind. Like, if you don't take care of that, good luck. Good luck with being holy. Good luck with living uh, different in this world than the world lives. Right, until we have our mind readied because it's renewed, it's gonna be very difficult for us to live holy and to reflect God's character of holiness. All right, he says also in verse 13, it's not just a renewed mind that we're supposed to have, we, we also need to have uh, a controlled mind. All right, in verse 13, back there in verse 13, it says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, make it ready. Now also, it says, be sober. Now we know what sober means as far as not being controlled by anything that might uh, intoxicate us, and surely that would cover that as well, but it's so much more. We're to be serious in our mind. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have fun. Don't let Satan um, confuse seriousness with, with, with boring. All right, that's, that's honestly, that's his primary message. Uh, method of deception he's been doing that since Genesis 3 when he came to Adam and Eve God doesn't really want what's good for you that's what he told Eve he doesn't want what's best for you he doesn't and that's what he he really it's his only game plan I mean when, when you fall to temptation it's because you believe that same thing and so there's great power if we can identify like that's what's coming at us and we know it's not true And that's part of having a renewed and a controlled mind. But we're commanded here to be sober and to be serious. Um, The truth that's revealed in Scripture is this, is that we were created for God's glory. And you and I who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we were recreated for God's glory. All right, so here's take two. And it's all about glorifying God uh, and by enjoying him forever. That's that's what we were created for. And what he offers us, my favorite verse, I think, if Charlotte asked me what my favorite verse was, and I had to say Psalm 1611, I love that verse. David says, um, God, you have shown me the path of life, or what life is all about. In your presence is fullness of joy, fullness. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I definitely believe that's talking about one day, um, just what the choir sang about when we can enjoy god and jesus christ completely but it's not limited to there it means even right now even right now if you have a relationship with god through faith in jesus you have Pleasures forevermore. You have fullness of joy. So don't let Satan uh, tell you that. I think it's so important that we control our minds and don't allow that kind of a false teaching in. That God doesn't want what's best for us. Look, our society and our culture, uh, the worldview that's dominant right now is that um, all truth is is relative, and you need to leave your mind open, consider other things. All right, and God's word gives us a very uh, definite picture of what we're to allow in and what we're not to allow in. This world says there's no meta-narrative. All right, you, you know, if Christianity's great, great. If it works for you, great. Just keep it to yourself. But that's not what God's word tells us to do. God's word tells us that Jesus is the meta-narrative. All right, this world, it's all about him. A- and my existence, it's all about him your existence. It's all about him, especially for those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, who are born again, who are saved. All right. And we are told to have a ready mind by having a renewed and a controlled mind. My question for you this morning is, do you, are you serious about what you allow in? And, and this is the call here because we've got things bombarding us all the time. Uh, even if we're very serious, it can still happen. Even if we're very controlled about what we allow in to influence us, there's still a barrage of attacks. And so we've got to be serious. If, if we're not, if we're apathetic about it, um, we're going to allow in a lot more than we need to. And we're going to have a difficult time living out the gospel. Paul uh, told the Corinthians in 2, 2 Corinthians 10.5, he uh, told them that they are to cast down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, that's, that's not apathetic. That means you, you identify that's falsehood, and you're like, out, out you go. <laughs> All right, I'm not letting that in my life. And it says that we uh, bring into captivity, this is what you and I are supposed to do, bring into captivity every thought. Don't let a stray thought, because that stray thought can impact your life profoundly. You don't know where it could go. Right? So we've gotta be ever vigilant. It, it can be difficult to live this way, it is. Uh, but God empowers you to do it, because he, he's asked you to do it. He never will command you to do something he won't equip you for. The, the question is, are we using his equipment that he's provided for us? All right? So it, I'm not saying it's not difficult. Uh, I, I think of people in the military, um, like your kids and Anthony, Uh, and even some of our police officers that we serve, and being on that condition of vigilance, it's exhausting, isn't it? Anthony, do you know what I'm talking about? When, I mean, what do you call it? Condition orange, red, yellow, whatever. It's always, it's not condition green. It's not go like, just chill. That's what God's called us to be on. We've got to to be ready and vigilant, knowing that these things are coming at us. We've got to have a ready mind. It's got to be renewed. It's got to be controlled. The third thing he talks about is it's got to be fixated. In verse 13, he says, after uh, calling us to have a sober mind, he says, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's calling us to set our hope all the way to the end, until uh, we experience what the choir saying about this morning, until Christ comes back and we're in heaven. But until then, we are to set our hope to the end uh, on the, the end of the gospel. What is the end of the gospel? Yeah, it's us being in heaven in one sense, but even it's greater than that because why are you in heaven? You're going to have enjoy God in the relationship he's designed back in Genesis before the fall. You're, that's the whole purpose of it. And you can enjoy that now in part, not, not as fully, not as final as we will there. But uh, that's the end of the gospel. And that's what we are to set our hope on. So I guess my encouragement is don't, don't constantly look to that as like, I can't really experience that till then. No, you can do it now if you fixate your hope on that. Say, I want to enjoy you forever. Please, please, I want to experience your presence. All right, when we pray to God this way, he's going to answer that prayer. Peter's going to readily uh, stress this throughout this epistle. We're going to hit this a couple of times where he's like, look to the new heaven and the new earth. Look to eternity, look to Christ coming back because it has a powerful effect on you and I being holy as he is holy. All right, when we are looking to that eternal home, instead of focusing on temporary things, it has a very sanctifying effect in the life of the believer. It allows you to say no to temptation. Even strong ones, Things, strongholds you might have struggled with your whole life, you can say no to it because you say Jesus is better, eternity with him is better, uh, close, intimate relationship that's not obstructed by me allowing this sin in my life, it's way better. All right, and so it has a sanctifying effect. That's what later on in 2 Peter chapter 3, this is what he says. He says, look, this is everything you see here, it's going to be dissolved. This world as we know it. New heaven, new earth. And because of that, what manner of people should you be right now? Living lives of holiness. That's what he says in 2 Peter uh, 3 in verse 11. In, in 1 John, the apostle John says the same thing. He's like, behold what manner of love the Father's given us that you and I should be called children of God. That is amazing. That's what we talked about last week. We should just be in awe of the gospel. That's what we're going to talk about here in a minute. But he says, and, and when he's coming back and we don't really understand what we're going to be, but we know that we're going to be like him because we'll see him as he is. So even John calls us to focus on that. And he says this, he says, every man that has this hope in him, that Jesus is coming back and I'm going to have eternity with him, he purifies himself even as he is pure it's got a very powerful sanctifying effect on us when we have a ready mind so here's our ready mind it's renewed it's controlled and it's fixated it's renewed controlled and fixated so important uh, it's important that we realize that God's given us this ability all right it's difficult but he has uh, the hum- human beings especially have an ability to set their minds on something in a different way than animals do. And look, a regenerated person, if you're a Christian, you have an even greater ability because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have access to the Word of God. That's how you came to Christ. And you've got this amazing ability to set your mind on something uh, specific. And that's what Peter asks us to do. A fixated mind, it's a ready mind. And it is uh, ready to experience the transforming uh, hope of the gospel that he presents here. Uh, It is not involuntary. It's going to require action. So here we have God both enables it, and he commands us to do it. Uh, it's difficult to live this way with a renewed mind and with a controlled mind and with a fixated mind, but it's doable. It's difficult, but it's doable. And uh, what, a, what a blessing that is. Here's how it, it becomes a little bit easier all right? in the next couple of verses. The second thing we're, we're called to have is a reverential awe. See, our ready mind, that's going to be motivated by having a reverential awe. And it is a little bit like we talked about last week, but he says here in verse uh, 17, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. All right, so he calls us to have a reverential awe, and the very first thing is kind of implied, uh, but he says if you, if you call on the Father, or actually it's, it's more directly, since you call on God as Father, what does that mean? Who is God to you and I who, who are saved? He is our, he's our Father. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So what we're, what we're hearing here is the biblical doctrine of adoption, that when you and I came to Christ, he, he's, he's no longer righteous judge. That's who he was before we came to him, and even in coming to him. And we plead for Jesus to take our place. And when we put our faith and trust in him, immediately there's a quick transformation from righteous judge to adoring father that's an amazing thing that should cause us to be in reverence all right it should cause us to have a reverential awe our position in christ that it went from a context that was legal to a, a much more intimate context that's familial we can pray to the almighty god of the universe the creator as our father That is what Jesus has won for us. And this should cause us to be in reverential awe. He also says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So in that word sojourning, last week he called us uh, strangers. Um, But that's what we are, and he's reminding us. Look, you're resident aliens. You're not of this world. This world is not your home. You are passing through. You've got work to do while you're passing. But you're made for somewhere else. All right, so don't get too comfortable here. And if you're not comfortable, don't get all distraught about that because the reason you're not comfortable is you're not for here. You're for there, right? And what a blessing that is and be in awe of that. And it doesn't mean that you and I don't care about this world. No, this is what it means. We care about this world so much that we're gonna be different. You and I are called to be different. We're called to be different. A church that's just like the world, we don't have anything to offer it. I mean, we're just a good civic organization. And I don't mean to be critical of them, but we're the Kiwanis, and we're the Rotary Club, and we're the, that's who we are. If we don't have Jesus Christ, right, if we don't have this hope of heaven, those are all good places, but we have something more. We, we have things that are about eternity here, all right, and so he also calls us um, to be in reverence for the redemption that we have in Christ. Verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold... Well, he was talking about the difference between corruption and incorruption, and last week, we're gonna have a home in heaven that's incorruptible, he uses that language here. Look, your redemption wasn't bought with silver and gold. Uh, your money is not gonna get you to heaven. The richest person here, Bill Gates, whoever, uh, not gonna get you to heaven, can't do anything. The most famous person, celebrity, not gonna get you to heaven. Uh, the, the most powerful person of authority, not really going to matter. It's the one that humbles himself and says, I need Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what gets you this. That's what gets you this relationship. And so our redemption is not with silver and gold, uh, but verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without hope. And that should always be our source of reverential awe. In a couple of weeks when we take the Lord's Supper, that is really what the message is there. All right, it should cause chills, almost goosebumps that Christ shed his blood for you and I, and that we were redeemed at that kind of price, that he paid that price for us. Does that cause awe in your life? That motivates you to have a ready mind, a renewed mind, a controlled mind, a fixated mind? Not just our position in Christ, not just our redemption in Christ, but our reconciliation in Christ, verse 21. Who by him do believe in God. Who by Jesus you believe in God. There's not multiple paths to God. There's but one. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's it. All right, it's pretty exclusive there. I know that doesn't go well in our culture where we've got multiple paths to God, um, but that's the reality of scripture there. And, And this is what we are to praise him for, that he reconciled us to God. We rebelled against God. We left God, and God sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us because he wants relationship with us. Let, you, let that uh, cause awe in your life for a moment because it does for me that the almighty God of the universe wants a relationship with me. That's a little crazy to me because I, I'm not really important, but he must love me. He sent a son to redeem me and to reconcile me. And and what's really crazy is he doesn't need me, but he wants me. And what's even crazier is um, I desperately need him. And even as a believer, there are times I don't really want him like I should. And so he's calling us. Look, I mean, when those times come, get in awe. Get back in awe. You've lost your awe at this. You've lost some of your wonder at the redemption of Christ and the reconciliation that is ours in Christ and our position that he's our father and that that he's called us to live as resident aliens here in this world and this will help us. These things, and when we stand in awe of them, this is how your mind is renewed. It just doesn't happen without any effort on your part. You've got to set your mind on these things here. Again, in this verse, verse uh, 21, Peter calls us to uh, think of Christ's resurrection. He says, who by him you believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. And Peter does this uh, throughout his sermons, the Sermon at Pentecost. When thousands of people got saved, they focused on the resurrection of Christ. And uh, in his letters in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, as we go through this, we're going to see he focuses on the resurrection. Here's why he does it. It is the unique thing about our faith. No other faith has this. A Savior who died and rose from the dead, that's ours. That's ours because he won it for us, and we need to constantly remind ourselves. There's great power for a renewed mind in doing that. That should cause reverential awe. Last week, we, we understood what Peter stressed was that, look, because he's risen, so will you. That's why there is preservation. That's why we can have assurance. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, uh, he says the same thing. He said, look, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, you and me, we are without hope. We're really to be most pitied among all men. And, and here's why. What's the point of this all? I mean, what is the point of being holy if Jesus isn't risen from the dead? just to be a good person, I guess. But Paul says, no, there's really no point in that, all right? He says, "Um, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, uh, we're miserable. And honestly, we should just eat and drink and be merry and live for self. But he is risen from the dead. And that sets a whole new, a whole new plan in action, and a whole new course uh, for our life and, and our way to live. He is risen from the dead, and because we're going to rise, there is an eternity. There is a heaven and a hell, and what we do here matters. Uh, what what we do with His word and with this gospel matters. And so, there's good reason that God has Peter keep reminding us of the reverential awe we should have for Christ's resurrection, because He's risen. Uh, so will we. A ready mind is empowered by this reverential awe and its fuel. It's fuel for that transformation that he's asked us um, to take part in when we appreciate his gospel. And finally, a ready mind is going to be manifested uh, by a remarkable love, all right? So we're called to have a ready mind, that, that's part of this transforming gospel that we get to experience and that is going to be motivated by having a reverential awe, but it's going to be manifested by having a remarkable love. It says in verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. All right, Uh, regeneration and being born again is so awesomely described in verse uh, 22. It's a scene that you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit. That's what happened when you got saved. You heard the gospel message. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the dead. And you said, I want that. I need that. I trust him as my savior. He paid for my sins. That was your obeying the truth through the spirit. You didn't do that on your own. The Holy Spirit was involved. He brought you to Christ. He brought you from death to life, all right? And so um, that's a beautiful description there. But then he tells us what the purpose of our regeneration is, all right? You and I were born again, brought from death to life. The overall purpose is just the same as what we were created for in the first place, God's glory. All right, he did that to glorify himself because he wants relationship with us. He wants worshipers of him. And, yeah, that's why he did it. But we've e- even got, like, this practical purpose of regeneration here. So here's the, here's the practical purpose of regeneration in verse 22. To an unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love each other fervently with a pure heart. Now, we're supposed to love everyone. We are. We're supposed to model Christ's love for that. Here he's specifically, like, church, you need to love each other especially the household of saints, as Paul says, all right? And so this is the practical purpose of uh, our regeneration. Jesus said the same thing, right? In his last supper uh, sermon, the Upper Room Discourse, in John 13, 34, he tells the disciples there, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for each other. That's how people are gonna know that you're Christians. That's how people are going to believe in me. He says the same thing in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. In John 17, Uh, Jesus prays this prayer right before he's uh, going to give his life for us. And uh, he prays for the disciples that are there. But then he says, I pray for those also who are going to believe in me through their testimony. Guess who that is? That's me and you. All right, and so Jesus prays for us back then, John 17, uh, verses 20 to 26, and this is what he says, I pray, Father, that they would all be one, even as you and I are one. Now, how, how close are God the Father and God the Son? They're pretty tight, right? And uh, do they have a love for each other? Does the Father love the Son, and the Son love the Father? Uh, well, yeah, right, and that's what he asks of us, that same level of, of unity, that same level of love, that's, there's no unity without loving each other. That's how we get that level of unity, right? And so this is Jesus' design. Um, the Apostle John in 1 John, he says, look, um, love is such a hallmark of you being a Christian that uh, it's evidence of your, of your relationship with God. It's evidence of your salvation. It's evidence of your regeneration. So if you don't have it, um, maybe you need to spend some more time in God's word and make sure that you understand what the gospel is all about. All right, so the practical purpose of the gospel is this. Paul tells us it in Romans 12, uh, 9, right? After he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, be transformed the renewing of your mind. In Romans uh, 12, 9, he says, church, let your love be without hypocrisy. Right? Make it real, which is going to cause some effort. Sometimes sacrifice, sometimes hurt, but it's got to be real. All right, he says in um, Ephesians 5:2 that we're supposed to put it on. Like it should be so visible, not hypocritical, just visible, like our clothes. Uh, That's what our love should be. Uh, In Colossians 3.14, he says, above all, put on love. Above every character quality that's necessary for a Christian, love should be the thing. And then he says, Peter says later in 1 Peter 4.8, the end times are coming, and as they come, above all, he says, above all too, above all, put on love. It covers a multitude of sins. I know there's gonna be a multitude of sins. That's what we're told in scripture. Things are not getting better, they're getting worse. We've seen a multitude of sins this week. A crazy world where life has not a whole lot of value. And what we need is a Christian church who says, no, it has immense value. We need a Christian church that says, I love you. We need a Christian church that says, I love you because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you too. That's what we need here. And the common principle in all those references I just gave you is that this, love has got to be a hallmark of Christians, uh, followers of Jesus. And, and here's why. Because the power of our gospel, it's kind of dependent on it. It is. That's what Jesus said there. When he said, I pray that they'd all be one, as you and I are one, not just so that would exist, but he said, so that people will believe you sent me. See, without that, um, our gospel doesn't have quite the same effect as far as its relevance to this world, as far as the power it can have. For it. The gospel is all powerful, but if we have a Christian community who doesn't show love, especially to each other, what does the world want with it? Would you want anything to do with it? I want it. And so we're called to have this remarkable love. We're told we can have that. Um, we're called that to have that because only the new birth can create that. All right, so when I'm asking you, when, I'm, when, when God's word is asking you, when I'm asking you this morning to have this remarkable love, I'm not saying try to sum, summon up superhuman strength to have it. You can't do it. Only the gospel can do this, only the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you've responded to the gospel, keep depending on the gospel. Now finally, the permanent path of regeneration, that was a practical purpose of it. Here's the permanent path. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. All flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is a flower grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord, it endures Forever, and this is the word which, by the gospel, is preached unto you. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Did you just wake up one morning, and you're like, "I follow Jesus." Now, you may have done that, but the only reason you did that is because somebody, at some point, shared with you the word of God. Now, right, you don't, you don't know. That's what Paul says in Romans. How can they hear without a preacher? Uh, meaning you, not not me. Right, how can they hear without people in their lives giving them the gospel? They can't. So how did you come to faith in Christ? You came by the word of God. How are you gonna grow in your faith in Christ? By the word of God, right, same way. So often we try to, we're like, okay, that's how I came, and now I'm gonna be really good, and I'm gonna work really hard, and I'm gonna be a Christian. I mean, do that, it requires effort on your part, but you're gonna have no hope if if you're not in this. You're gonna have no hope at doing that. And if you're not dependent on this book, Paul says that faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. So it doesn't say you're saving faith that brought you into Christ, right, that, that got you your ticket to heaven, that, that made you a Christian stamp. That is what, no, it's not just saving faith, it's it's your continually sustaining faith. Faith comes by hearing. Do you, are you struggling with faith this morning? Maybe there's something in your life, you're like, God, I just don't understand this. Uh, Paul says faith comes by hearing. If you need more faith, where should you get it? From the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's how we grow. Paul says in Colossians 2, uh, 6 and 7, As you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord, so walk in him. So as you have received. In the same way you received Jesus, well, how did you receive him? By the gospel, by the word of God. Somebody shared it with you, you believed it. Now so walk in him. By the gospel, by the word of God, you need to get it in your life, you need to believe it. need to apply it this this is what we're called to do he says it's how we're rooted in him Uh, if we're born again to new life uh, part of being a new life is you can take nutrition you're rooted in him and you're built up in him it's growing our our walking our living our growth comes from the word of God all right and so uh, Paul calls us here to have a, uh, a ready mind he calls us here to have a reverential awe And he calls us to have a remarkable love. Look, our love for each other is vital, and our holiness is vital. He called us to be holy as he is. Uh, Those are evidences of us being uh, saved, of us being born again. But regeneration, the new birth, only occurs through God's word. That's the method he has chosen. It's God's word in our lives. All right, the Holy Spirit uh, applies it to us, and he uses it to bring us from death to life. And it's the exclusive thing that's going to help us uh, grow and and live a life that is proof that we have new life so my question for you this morning is are you in it uh if the truth in romans ten seventeen is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god uh, are you in it is your mind readied by being renewed and controlled are you allowing this to control your mind uh, are you allowing it to help you fixate your mind uh, on the promises that god offers us in it are you daily meditating and throughout the day Uh, in reverential awe of the salvation that God has offered us? Uh, Are you compelled to share the gospel? Uh, Jesus promised that that would be the case, that uh, if you drink this living water, uh, it will be a reservoir, but not one for you just to hold and have for yourself, but it will be a well that's springing up, flowing out, a fountain. All right, Uh, Is God's word such a part of your daily life and who you are, that it transforms you into a remarkable, loving person. That's what Peter is asking us, just to do some self-checks here. The Gospels are living hope. The Gospels are transforming hope. Uh, are you being transformed? Right? So is going to come in a minute. We're going to sing Jesus Paid It All. That, that uh, hymn says, uh, I hear the Savior say, your strength is small. Church, your strength is small. It is. My strength is small. It says, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. When we do that, our strength is very large. When we will use what he's given us, and and he enables us, he calls us to do it. And when we use that, uh, our strength is great. Look, I am calling you this morning uh, to a commitment. If you never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that right now. And please, uh, call out on him, confess your sins, trust in what Jesus has done for you. But church, uh, Christian, are you ready to make a radical commitment that's described here? All right, it is. It's going to be tough. That's why I call it a radical commitment. The world doesn't do this. They don't go, I will live my life by a book. And people, some people, when you tell them that, they may look at you a little odd. But that's what we do. We're, that's what Baptists do. We say we're people of the book. I don't know how real that is in our lives. All right. We need to make sure that is real in our lives. If we're people of the book, are we in it every day? That's a people of the book. Are we dependent on it? Do we believe it from cover to cover? Uh, Look, it's not just radical. Uh, I'm calling you to a a reliant commitment. You can't do it. I can't. I can't live a gospel-transformed life if I don't depend on the Holy Spirit and depend on his equipment. I can't do it. Jason can't do it. Jesus and Jason can do it, and Jesus and you can do it. So I'm calling on you to a radical commitment that's only going to be possible if you have a reliant commitment. Finally, I'm calling you to real commitment. And what I mean by this, look, I I know your heart. Uh, It's only been a year, but it's a beautiful church, right? And I know how you love Jesus. But if we come here and we go, I need to do better. I need to read the Bible more. You've heard that before, haven't you? All right, and so God right now, I want his Holy Spirit to get specific in your life. And if you need to... Make a commitment down here. If you need to do it there, that's fine. But I just want you to be real. I want it to be a real commitment. Like, God, like this is what, how real I want it to be. God, I'm not going to check Twitter and Instagram and Facebook before I check what you have for me in the morning. I'll wait. I'll wait a little. All right, unless Facebook and Instagram is where you get your devotions, right? Because it can be used for that. All right, but that's kind of a real commitment. Like, like, Dad's saying, we're going to have time in God's word as a family. And what are your kids going to say? Because you maybe never done that. They're going to go, what are you doing? Don't care. It's a radical commitment. It's a real commitment. It's a reliant commitment. You're telling your kids we rely on God. Husbands saying, honey, we need to spend time in God's word every day as much as we can. All right, that's the kind of commitment that he's calling us here. Not just like, let's do better and read the Bible more. All right, so as time he comes as we sing. However God's asking you to respond today, I just pray that you'd obey.